0: You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Uh, open your Bibles, and I said, Second Chronicles thirty-four. Um, we're going to read the first seven verses of Second Chronicles thirty-four. And then we'll, enter, we'll pray and enter into the message. Second Chronicles 34, follow me there. The um, Bible says in verse number 1, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, and the groves and the car images and the molten images, and they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence, and the images that were on high above them, he cut down, and the groves and the car images and the molten images, he break in pieces, and made dust of them, and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars, and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem, and so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even unto Naphtali, with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the growth, and had beaten the graven images and the powder, and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for uh, this evening's service, and Lord, thank you for uh, just hearing, Lord, what you're doing in this church, and just the the heart and the spirit of being able to serve you and adding to, to uh, your, your workforce here in this church. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you, you bless. And, uh, Lord, as um, we enter in this year, new year, Lord, that you would give us much fruit for, you, for your glory. Lord, that there would be more uh, that would come to knowledge of you and others who will be baptized and discipled. And, Lord, that this church would just be a, uh, just a great beacon of hope and light uh, in this city. And, and, Lord, I pray that you speak to us tonight. Uh, Lord that you'd uh, that your word would not would not just be uh, just another message but Lord I pray that you'd allow us just to have a, a sensitive uh, heart and mind Lord that you would um, that you'd speak to us and Lord that we'd respond in a way that will glorify you uh, Lord that we'd hear your word and apply it and Lord thank you so much for your goodness and allowing us to to open your word tonight and Lord to hear from you I praise in Jesus name amen. So in Chronicles chapter 34, we see the life of Josiah and introduction to his life and his reign and and who this man was. Every one of us here tonight are here because of God's passion and because of a man's passion. God's passion in that He so loved a man that He made possible salvation through His Son, sending His Son to die for us. His passion for humanity made possible our salvation also we're here because of a man's passion. because someone one day showed us the way to salvation. Either as they knocked on our door, they gave us a tract or invited us to church, someone one day showed us how we could be saved. So every one of us here tonight are here because of God's passion but also because of a man's passion. In the passage that we just read tonight we see the passion of King Josiah. A man who had an incredible passion for God and Entering to reign at eight years old, the Bible says that at 16 years old, he started to seek after the God of his father David. And it's not, he wasn't seeking renown, he wasn't seeking a great kingdom, he was seeking God. And he really, and he, he just wanted to please and glorify God. The nation of Israel had been under captivity for many years, and they weren't a nation that was focused on God. And yet this young man, the Bible says, sought after God at 16 years old. Several months ago, we were at our church in Nicaragua uh, having a VBS. And the Lord incredibly blessed the two, the two weeks that we had VBS, one week of VBS and the next of just continual follow-up. The Lord blessed, and we, we saw over 100 people saved in, in like eight days. And in that, in that time span, I also saw, I saw just a a, a percentage of our church that was just on fire and and rejoicing and seeing what God was doing and how God was using them. Yet at the same time, I saw others who saw everything that was going on and had the opportunity to be part of it and yet didn't face them. They they heard of the dozens and, and the hundred that were saved and there was no amen. There was no rejoicing. There was no There was no joy. I ask myself, what's the difference? They're in the same congregation. They listen to the same messages. They've been baptized in the same baptistry. They've gone through the same discipleship program. They go to the same conferences. Why? Why are some overjoyed with people being saved? And why are some having fruit and others not? And the Lord really brought me to this passage of, and this this thought is, really when, when someone is overjoyed and and driven and 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 happy about something when it is their passion. You don't get ex, over, excited or overjoyed about people getting saved if God and His kingdom is not your passion. Tonight, I want to ask you personally, because as a church, sometimes we can say, Well, this church loves God. And sometimes we put this blanket over everyone, but not everyone lives loving God. If we say this is a, a giving church, a generous church. Well, maybe there is a percentage that is generous. We say maybe it's a missions church. Well, maybe there's a percentage that is just really invested in missions. I ask you personally tonight, what is your passion? Do you have a passion for God? This year will be incredibly different if you live and I live. With an, an, an immense passion for God. Passion is the feeling that dominates our will, reason, and, and, and fervor. It is zeal and ardor. A passion for God determines one's growth, one's spirit, one's attitude, and one's fruitfulness for the Lord. And before um, I continue, I just, I, I, when Josiah sought after God and sought after pleasing God, it wasn't. He wasn't seeking and pursuing and passion for service. His passion was for God. And tonight, you and I, we can we can have, and you've signed up this morning. Many of you signed up for a new ministry, and that's that's exciting. And you you should be you should get excited and and and, and just all in into that ministry. But realize that the passion. The passion that you should have is for God. And as a result, you will have a passion for that ministry. They tell you because after a few weeks, you're the newness of that ministry and the fun of that ministry is going to dwindle a little. And sometimes you're going to be tired and you're going to be sick or maybe some of the people that promise that will serve next to you won't be we won't be there after a couple of months. But what will we keep you Fervent in that ministry and the service is having a passion for God. Because you're not there because so-and-so is there, and you're not there even for the fruit. You're there for God. A passion for God is what, is, is what is going to maintain our right spirit and our right heart and even a, 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 a fruit before the Lord. So I want to see here firstly several characteristics of the passion that Josiah had for God and, and see how also you know that compares to our passion and maybe how we need to shape our passion towards the Lord. So firstly, in the first verses that we just read, we're not going to reread them, but when you notice this, the Bible says that Josiah begins to reign eight. At 16, he seeks after the Lord. And the first thing he does in his reign, look, look what the Bible says in verse 3. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of, uh, God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places. The Bible says that in the twelfth year of his reign, the first, the first thing he starts to focus on and push, push in the ministry is that there should be no other God. And the nation of Israel had taken upon all the other gods in their captivity and they'd they'd been slaves to other nations and they'd taken upon these idols and these gods. And Josiah now, with a passion for God, he said, I cannot share my affection. I cannot share my heart. I cannot share my focus with any other thing. I need to have my heart and my love only for God. So his passion for God was a soul passion, solely on God. I think tonight, many times, there's it's really hard to have a passion for God when we try to divide our hearts and our affections with many things. Oh, and the, and, and this world really, really looks and pursues our hearts and pursues our time, and and really wants to just draw us in. Oh, um. The, the 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 Western nations and this is you know I've just come uh, from Australia and and uh, in New Zealand I spent a week in New Zealand with my wife and we visited some churches there the 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 nation of Australia and and, and New Zealand uh, really have sports and entertainment as their God and that really just consumes their time and their focus and and and, and in the West many people just have just are living for maybe an, an earthly, even Christians are living for an earthly goal. And because of that, we're we, we, are not, we are not living with a passion for God because it's, it's shared, shared with many things. Serving in the country of Nicaragua, the majority of people, 89% uh, in the census it says, 89% are Catholics. And the evangelical or the Christian group always point their finger at the Catholic church saying, well, they're an idolatrous people because they bow down before a Mary and they bow down before the, the, their saints and all their, all their other, the, the, um, the statues that they might have. You know, the truth is that even a Christian today that puts anything before the Lord, be it a job or be it a career or a pastime, or even their family, anything that we put before God is just as idolatrous. And Josiah, with his passion for God, said, I cannot have other high places, and all these altars, we're going to bring them down. And and if, if, if you notice, when we read, the Bible says that he turned it into dust in such a way that they could not go back to it. Sometimes it's no, yeah the lord's really convicted me and i need to, i need to change my job because I, it's just really taken my focus off the lord and I, i've stopped soul winning i've stopped doing this and and and, and just have it in, in the back burner because if i ask, i need overtime later i'll just grab that if i need that job later i'll come back to that sometimes we have that plan b and Josiah said my focus is the Lord and him only and i'll turn all these idols and these altars and these groves into Dust. So he had a soul passion. Also want you to notice this. Let's read from verse 8. The Bible says, Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he, he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah and Mezziah, the governor of the city, and Joah the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. Notice this in verse 8. In the 18th year of his reign, if you, know, if you saw there in verse 3, The Bible says that uh, in the 12th year, he began the cleaning of the, the nation of Israel. In the 18th year, he had purged the land. Six years of just cleaning house, six years of making sure everything was right at home. And the Bible says not only that, but he purged the whole nation everywhere. And if, if you see there in verse 8, when he had purged the land, it, was, it, was, it happened. He had cleaned the land. All the idols, all the altars, all the groves they had been taken down and was made in the dust. And now that God was the sole God that they worshipped and adored, now they could move on. And they moved on in this way. The Bible says uh, he, he, he went and he, The Bible says he went to repair the house of the Lord his God. Now his focus shift from cleaning house, getting rid of the idols, to now repairing the house of God. We need to understand the significance of that. Because repairing the house of God, the house of God wasn't, it wasn't just the building. The house of God was a sign of the presence of God, of the blessings of God. And Josiah said, well, we're going to repair God's house because we know, and we serve, and we worship, and we want to proclaim that Jehovah God is here. And they were pushing forward for that. If you notice there in verse in verse 9, And when they came to Hilkiah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, and all of the remnants of Israel and of all Judah to Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they put it in the hands of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. Shift is now repairing on God's house, and notice that Josiah said, well, let's, let's bring in everything that's been given, all, all that we've, we've put towards the, the repairing of God's house, let's bring it in. Josiah acknowledged that to having a passion for God involves a cost. There is a price. And Josiah was willing to pay the price. Let's bring it all in. Let's hand all these, these funds and these materials and everything we've given to the workmen. Let's push forward for the repairing God's house. Every passion involves a cost. You and I, You and I, if we are to serve the Lord and live with a passion for Him, there's a price to pay. The Lord told us that, that we should take up take up our cross and follow him there's a price you know every in in, in secular goals and you know if if, if there is an athlete out there desiring to to win that championship or that that trophy, he has to pay the price and, and maybe in a, a disciplined uh, diet and, 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 and exercise and maybe a, a certain lifestyle that he has to, to live to attain that price and he's willing to pay the price to attain that trophy or win that tournament. In business, many are willing to pay in their time and their, maybe their lack of sleep or maybe even some even pay with their family to raise a business. Many are willing to pay the price for their passion. As Christians and having a passion for God, there is also a price. There is also a price. Are you? Are you? And you ask yourself: Are you willing to pay the price God asks you to pay to follow Him? Now, the price and that cross. Will be different for every single one of us. And I ask you, would you be willing to do that? When I think of men like Hudson Taylor, missionary who went to China, and David Livingston, and William Carey, and Andrew Judson, um, D. L. Moody, these men didn't, didn't didn't live in the same time, neither in the same countries. They didn't have the same upbringing. They weren't from the same social status. But God used these men in an incredible way because they were willing to pay the price for their passion to God. All these men, different backgrounds, different maybe mentorship and discipleship, a different way they served, but all these men had an incredible passion for God and they were willing to pay the price for it. They're having a passion for God it's a costly passion. I also want you to notice this. Look what the Bible says in verse 12. So in Chronicles 34, 12, the Bible says, And the men did the work faithfully, and the overseers of them were Jahath and Abadiah, the Levites. Look what the Bible says. And the men did the work faithfully. Josiah had some men around him, and, and we're talking specifically these men were the, the laborers, the men who were raising up the, the, the uh, repairing the house of the Lord. Josiah just had some men around him who were just faithful to God and his work. You now, if we are to have a passion for God, we also, we should have a shared passion. See, the others around us share this same passion. And if you look around your life, and maybe your your the people just you you spend much time with and you allow to influence your life. Ask yourself if they have a passion for God, because if they're not not living with a passion for God, be careful that they draw your passion away from God. You know when when I when I went to um, you know I, I as a seventeen year old um, at sixteen I surrendered to for ministry and didn't really know what the Lord wanted me to do, uh, both my pastor and my dad told me that the best thing is go get ready, go prepare, go to Bible college. So I, I, at 17, I left Australia and came to West Coast Baptist College and my idea of Bible college was that, you know, every everyone there was just going to be a spiritual man. And everyone was just focused on just serving God. And I quickly noticed that not, not everyone had that heart. And not everyone... Not everyone, not, not everyone even wanted to be there. Uh, you know, this was 12 years ago. I noticed that, in, in, that it was somewhat cultural in some Baptist churches that when a teenager graduated from high school, the normal thing to do in some churches was just go off to Bible college. And it was just a cultural thing amongst the churches. And I noticed that there were some guys that just, they did that because it was just the thing to do, but they really didn't want to be there. You know the incredible thing was? that those people who didn't want to be there and they were just a uh, 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 sour spirit and a rebellious heart, This interesting thing is that they found each other. They found each other. But also there was, there was, there was, there was at the same time, young men and young ladies that just loved God and really didn't, really didn't have it all lined up what they were going to do, but they knew they wanted to live their lives out serving God glorifying him, and they also found each other. Um, One of my my fondest memories of Bible college was uh, with four four of my friends. We'd go five o'clock in the morning to pray in the post office. It was the only building that was open at that time, and we would go and and pray. And uh, those four men are today still in ministry. Uh, Back in October, I got to see two of them, just to think that there, yes, um, there are people that are living with a passion for God. And, and we, need to, we, need to, we need to be around and having to have a shared passion. Oh, brother, even in, in, in your church, you know, you know the brother and the sister that when it's time to, to sing, they're gonna sing it out. You know, you know that brother and that sister that when it's time to serve, they're they're saying, pick me, I want to serve. They, they, you also know who's around you. That when it's time to go soul winning, they're not—they're not, they're not seeing what else they can do. They're saying, "Well, it's time to go preach the preach to the to the lost." You know those who are around with a passion for God. Be around them. Get, get that spirit. Allow yourself to be to be uh, to be affected, impacted by them. I was telling this to someone just yesterday, and they—they were speaking about. Just you know that they've been this certain church for decades, and they're not so happy about how it's going. And I told the brother, brother, you know, yeah, I love my pastor, I love my church growing up, but the greatest influence to my life was seeing my dad burn with a passion for God. And sometimes pastor wasn't always in the right, and sometimes church church wasn't always. In the, in the right spirit, on the right place. And sometimes those discouraging times in the church. And you know, growing up, I, there's a certain messages I remember. I, I definitely remember at eight years old hearing the message on how when I accepted Christ as Savior uh, on 17th of August in 98. I remember that, but I don't remember many of the messages my pastor preached in my teen years, in my adolescent years but i do remember my dad burning with a passion for god mom and dad you know you're you're doing right bringing your 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 children to church your teenagers to church that is what we need to be doing but don't forget that you're showing your passion for god even when you leave this building they see if you when you read and when you don't read your bible when you're praying or when you're not praying, when you walk out in faith and when you're walking in fear. They see your passion or the lack of it. Josiah had a shared passion. He had people that were around him that shared the same desire and passion for God. But I also want you to notice this. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. And when, sorry, verse 15. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hands of the overseers and to the hands of the workmen. Then... Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Notice here that we know that Shaphan was given a commission by the king to look over the work and to look over the finances. Shaphan goes and he, he collects the money and gives the money and oversees the work. And he comes back to the king and tells, Well, the, king, the money has been given, the, the work has been started. But also, if you notice here, it's almost like he puts the finance and the work report to one side, and he gets to, he gets to the good stuff. He gets, to, he, he gets to what he knows Josiah would be more interested in. He reads the book of the law. He goes to God's word, and he reads, he reads God's word. Notice this, that Shaphan knew what his king's passion was. Josiah had a known passion. Others knew what his passion was. Schaefer knew. Yeah, king, the the work has started, the money's been given, but let me tell you this. Hilkiah's given me a book. Let me read you this book. He knew that Josiah had a passion for God and his word. Can I ask you tonight, if I were to ask your family members or a neighbor of yours, co-worker, or... Someone you go to school with, if I was to ask them what your passion is, would they say God? Would they say his kingdom? What'd they say? Shaper knew that the passion of his king was God. Brother brothers and sisters tonight, we should we should be known as people that have a passion for God. There's there's people tonight that make known that they they have a passion for maybe a certain sports team, that they have a passion for a certain hobby, they have a passion for business or for for certain things of this world world and they make it known. But who are the Christians? Where are the Christians that make it known that Jesus is their passion, that God is the reason that they live for, that the reason that they wake tomorrow is to, to love him and glorify his name is their passion for God a known passion. Do your coworkers know that you are a Christian and not just another that just profess Christianity? Know that you live for Jesus. Do they know that? Do your do your do other other people at your school, teenager, a college student? Do they know? Did you have a redeemer? Do they know? A couple couple months ago, we were at Lancaster having um, having dinner at, at the uh, one of the conferences there, and I was sitting at a table with with several of the the, the staff there at Lancaster and my family also, and and um, and my son gets up and he tells me, "Dad, I want to go tell something to Doctor R." and Doctor Rasmussen there was one of my professors and. And, and, you know, my, my 10-year-old son comes and tells me I want to go tell something to Dr. R. So, you know, I'm kind of filtering what he's going to go say. And I told, him, tell me what you want to tell him. And um, he says, well, Dad, I want to go tell him, I want to go tell him that, that I've led seven souls to Christ. And I said, okay, go tell him. I went to go tell him and, and Dr. R. got excited and he, he was saying amen. He just he just got overjoyed. You know what's interesting there? What I, when I, just looked over that, is that Ricardo, my son, son, he knew in his heart that Dr. R would rejoice in that. That Dr. R loves souls. And that when someone, when he hears about souls being saved, that he would be overjoyed. Dr. R has an own passion. I ask you tonight as a Christian tonight, you know, as a church, we can say, well, the 70 Baptist Church loves souls. What about you? Do you have a passion for God? Is it a known passion? What has to happen in your life, in your communication, in your lifestyle, so that others will know that you live for God? Do you have a known passion? I want to see this also. Verse 19. Verse 19, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law, he rent his clothes. Let's go over to verse 30. Turn the page there, verse 30. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and and, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests, and the Levites, and all the people, great and small, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and all his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Notice that when we have a passion for God... Or have a passion for something. Passion for God, specifically, we're talking tonight. It's an activated passion. You can take. You can say tonight, "I love, Lord. I love the Lord. I love His cause. I love His house. I love, I love His purpose." But that will also move you to live for Him. Josiah heard the book of the law. And, and the Bible says he rent his clothes in indignation. How can it be that this is, this is how God views his people? This is our state. This is our condition. And then in verse 30 onwards, he says, I'm going to serve the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, and we're going to live this covenant, and we're going to live in his statutes. The Bible says that he made a promise before the, God, before the Lord and also all the habits of Israel to live right before him. Now, if we have a passion for God, it's an activated passion. We can't. We can't say, "Oh, I, I, I love the Lord," yet we don't read our Bible. Oh, God is my King, yet we don't go to Him in prayer. I love my God, and yet we don't love what He loves—souls. A passion for God is an activating passion. Um. Several well now twelve years ago, the Lord allowed my wife and I we were just newlyweds. Um today's actually our anniversary, twelve years. Um, we're just newlyweds and four months, four months married, and the Lord allowed us to go to Nicaragua first time. And um, we I'd already spent a year in El Salvador and had preached there as as a 19-year-old. I spent the year there. And um, that, that time when Angela and I went and um, it, was, it was for the purpose of seeing if the Lord would have us go as missionaries and I remember the team that went with us and one, one man in particular just knew what, what was happening in the country and took us up to a city called Tipitapa, uh, which is basically the, the dump of the, the capital city of Managua and told us there was 40, 45,000 people there and told us there's, there's no church. Then he took us up to another city called Sevaco, and it's a transit city, there's lots of commerce, and about 50,000 people and no church. Then took us up to another city called Matagalpa, uh, up in the hills of, of Nicaragua, and uh, it's coffee country, and said there's over 200,000 people and no Bible-preaching church. In one more city, and just past the mountain, 150,000 people, no gospel-preaching church. I remember heading back down the mountain and uh, to the hotel we were going to stay that night and it already, got, it already was dark and see the, the mountains illuminated with the houses on there and knowing that every house represented a, a family, people, souls that were there and going into the town and hearing something I'd heard many times in El Salvador. In Central America and I think in certain Asian countries, When when someone passes away, they make it known in a loudspeaker, have a vehicle go through the neighborhood announcing the death of somebody. They're saying, you know, uh, so-and-so has passed, uh, father of so-and-so, husband of so-and-so, and and they speak of his career when he he was born and when he died, and they end the the announcement saying, may he rest with God in peace. And I remember hearing that that night in, in Matagalpa, knowing, and I heard it so many times, but then that impacted me because I knew there was no gospel preaching church in that city. And that phrase that he may rest with God in peace, I said, I knew that he's not with God and much less in peace right now. Because he hadn't had the opportunity to hear Christ for salvation. Hear of Christ for our salvation. And that burden in my wife and I, how can it be? But you know, we could have left that that week and simply said, oh, how sad. How sad there is a need. The Lord really, that that burden led us to go. You can say tonight, my, my cousin, my uncle, my auntie needs Christ. But will you go? Los Angeles, Long Beach needs Christ. We go. A passion for God is an activated passion. It leads us to serve, to go, to do. But I also want you to see this. In verse 33, and we're going to finish here. In verse 33, the verse, the last verse of the passage, the Bible says, And Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertain to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve even to serve the Lord their God, and notice this phrase here, and all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Notice this, that it started with King Josiah at 16 years old that decided, I want to seek after the Lord. I want to please him, I want to live for him, I want to glorify him. And his passion, it was so impactful that not only did it change his life and his direction, but it changed the whole nation and a whole generation because of his passion. Now, you and I, one day, the Lord will come or he will call us home. And everything that we've lived for, one day will... We will give an account of what we've done. Brother, if you've lived with a passion for the things of this world, when you die, the fruit of that passion will die with you. If you live with a passion for God and his purpose, the fruit of that passion is eternal. The Bible says that Josiah followed the Lord all his days. And you might look back to, to, to this tonight and think, there was a time in my life where, where, where I just really burnt and had a zeal and an ardor for God. But these, those, those days have passed. And maybe that was in my youth, but notice this, that Josiah, Josiah's passion for God was not simply a passion of youth. The Bible says all his days he lived for God. So speaking to everyone here tonight, you might, be, you might be young and think, well, one day I will live for a God. I will say that at 16, Josiah, Josiah just decided, I will live to seek after God and, 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 and glorify and please Him. And he made that decision for all his life in the 60s, a church in Oklahoma City sent a missionary to Central America. This missionary did what the Lord had burdened him and called him to do, and he started a church. He started re- reaching, uh, reaching souls and, and uh, discipling and teaching them, and he reached this man called Alfonso Jacot. Alfonso was a wealthy businessman and um he had, he had a transport company and many men in his employment and chauffeurs that he uh, that he had employed driving his semi-trailers all all Central, through Central America. And now, Foster Chacon uh, now knows the Lord and he, he now has a zeal and a passion to see the people in his employment come to Christ also. There's this one man, particular man in his employment who was a father of six and just was living a really just wicked life. It's a drunkard and a, a, a drug addict and a womanizer and had had children in pretty much every Central American country, apart from the six that he had at home. Just a wicked man. This man, Alfonso, just got burdened for this man and for his need of salvation and started insisting and, and, and asking about uh, and, and insisting and, and telling him about the Lord. And in one of those occasions, this man finally just, he just, uh, he surrendered and said, okay, I'll go to your church. This man and all his vices went back that day and told his wife and his six children we're going to church. And his wife and the children were surprised, one, because this man is just a, a wicked man and he would want to go to church. and Secondly, because they professed to be Catholic and now they're going to a Christian church. But they went. They went several times, and about the third time, the missionary uh, got this family on his radar and now started doing follow-up and meeting this man at his house. And in, in, in one of those visits, uh, this man accepts Christ as Savior. The missionary goes back the next week, and his wife accepts Christ. In the next three months, the whole family knows Christ as Savior. A church in Oklahoma City with a passion for God to send a missionary. A missionary with a passion for God to to follow God's calling and purpose and going to reach souls in Central America. A businessman with a passion for his employees. And that passion, that passion reached my grandfather. And now, after many years, there, um, my grandfather now, is not, he's, he's with the Lord. My dad passes, and he's a missionary in Argentina. He passes three churches in Argentina. Myself, you know, us, where well, we serve in the Lord in Nicaragua, and the Lord has used us, seen thousands of people saved in this past decade. My sisters, two of my sisters uh, married preachers, and they're serving the Lord one in Ohio, another in in Brisbane, Australia. The man's passion affected four generations of the Portillo family. Alfonso Chacon, he's now in heaven. But the fruit of his passion is still going. Brothers and sisters and I, can I ask you, what is your passion and what, is, what will be the fruit of it? Because you're going to live with a passion for the things of this earth and the things that you can attain. And you might build that house, and one day that house will be a ruin. And you might buy that car, and one day it will be a rust bucket. And you might get that career, but one day someone else is going to work that job. But if you live for God, and with a passion for Him, You will not regret it for all of eternity, because we will be with Him, our Savior. And the Lord we sung tonight—if we—if we—if we we have the opportunity and the privilege to earn a crown and to put it at our Savior's feet—it is worth living today with a passion for Him. What is your passion? Let's have a passion for God.